Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I want to teach on a very integral topic. All of us who are believers, if you're born again, you aspire to grow. It's like a normal human being when they're born. If you have a child, you want to see them grow at every stage. And there's none that frustrates, even in the physical realm, like a standard growth. The Bible tells us to grow in Him, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The essence of the fivefold, the fourfold ministry, is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, to the edification of the body. Until we all come, until we all are collected to this full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we might not be babes which are tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine and the cunning craftiness of men which lie in wait to deceive. God wants us to grow. But tonight I want to teach about walking in higher realms of glory. And this is how I want to start. The life of salvation, if you look at it, is like the life of our human existence. Okay? When somebody is born in the world, they are born to a world that they have not been familiar with for they've spent many months in the womb and that's the world they're familiar with. That world does not eat, so it needs no teeth. In that world, they don't walk. In that world, they don't use their hands. And so the child is in that womb. And so they're born. And so when they're born, much as they have all the full qualities of a human being, they're not yet ready to live and function fully in the world that they enter. Because the womb is a world, and when they are born, they enter a new world. And so, by reason of exercise, feeding, and all these things, they have to grow into having to move their limbs, their minds having to recollect, to connect to language, and interpretation of things, and talk, and all these kinds of things. And so it is with salvation. So a man gets born again, the Bible says, as babes, let us desire the sincere milk of the word of God that we might grow therein. So when a babe is born, salvation, and you're new in the faith, you require the sincere milk that you might grow in. That means when somebody's born again, they don't go straight to meat. No, they're fed with milk. And so as they grow, like normal human beings uh, do, they studied in solid foods, slowly by slowly, until they can eat like any other normal human being. So it is with the life of salvation. And so the first realm of our function, really, is for the basic satisfaction of our appetites and rest, really. The child is born, all they need is to feed right, and when they feed right and uh, sleep, that's enough. And so even when we look at the life of salvation, 
if somebody is given the right doctrine from the onset of salvation, which I tell people that when we are born again, the first things that we should emphasize to born again believers, first we must reveal the love of God. It's one of the first primary lessons of new converts. They must understand the love of God. Like a child is connected to the love of a parent, you know. And we must teach them a place of identity. Who are they in God? We must help them understand who God is also and things like that. So we transition from that place of teaching them the right doctrine, but also we teach them rest, okay? Because like in the physical realm, when a babe needs to sleep, so it is also in the spiritual realm, we teach them the rest. We're not talking about physical rest, we're talking about spiritual rest. We teach them to lean their entire personality on God, to trust in God. We teach them that, and so they learn. And so as they are awakened to that level, the next level, of growth is identity. You start to discover that you are your own individual. And you have your unique character and way of life from any other person that exists in the world. And from that realm of identity, then we relate with the world deeper into understanding the pleasures of life. Okay? What is pleasurable? because of who I am and defines me in identity and what is not pleasurable for me. And this is where I want to begin from. The power of pleasure cannot easily be designed by a child, by a babe. You firstly come to the identity of the self before you are awakened to the realm of pleasure in its own fullness. In fact, they tell you babes grow even in test. They don't test everything as an adult tests it. See? So anyway, we get to the realm of pleasure and in the faith, we have two definitions of pleasure, all right? Some pleasure is godly, according to the Bible, and some pleasure is ungodly, again, according to Scripture. In Luke, the eighth chapter, the 14th verse, when he's talking about, you know, the farmer which went to sow seeds and some fell on uh, stony ground and some fell on thorny ground, it is it. See, when he gets into the 14th verse and he talks of that which falls among the thorns, he says, they are they which when they have heard, they go forth and are choked with cares and riches, listen, and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. They bring no fruit to perfection. If we can read that in the Amplified Version, he speaks of them which fell among the thorns. And these, he says, are the people who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked and suffocated with the anxieties and cares and riches and the pleasures of this life. Okay, now, let me also emphasize this. The literal translation of the word worry is actually choking. When you worry about something, when you fail to incline yourself to entirely trust God, to lean your entire personality on Him, you worry. And in worrying, you actually, spiritually, you're choking your spirit. And now, take it in the physical form. If you choke a human being, what happens? They eventually run out of breath. See, so think about what that consequence is spiritually, but that's for another day. So, yes, they're choked and suffocated with the anxieties and cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not ripen or come to maturity, to perfection. Again, the people have questions of why is it that I do things and they don't prosper? Why is it that I always attend and do all these kinds of things, but they don't prosper? See, he spoke of a fruit which cannot come to maturity or perfection. 
The KJV speaks of a fruit that will not come to perfection. In other words, they do certain things, but these things are not complete in themselves. They are not perfect in themselves. They don't have the end of testimony in themselves. So yes, it doesn't mean that you don't serve God. It doesn't mean it's, do you have the results of a person who serves God? Do you have the results of a praying person? Do you have the results of a giving person? Do you have the results of a yielded person? Do you have the results of a submitted person? Do you have the results of a learned person? Because if you don't, sometimes you have to question when the word of God comes, where does it fall in your spirit? How do you receive the word? The Bible says, take heed how we receive, how to learn. We have to take heed how to hear, you see, and what to hear. So he has given you an example and told you that people who are so taken by the cares of this world, who are so taken by the pleasures of this life, people who are so taken by the things of the riches of the world, they choke the word of God in them. And when they do, they never have the results. Even if you're sitting under the right teacher, but your heart has not been dealt with, even if you sit under the best most articulative minister in the world, if your heart is not dealt with, you'll not bring forth the fruit that account for the life that you live as a believer. But Luke introduces us to what we call the pleasures of life, the things that are in the world, that are pleasurable in the world. Okay? There's a person who wastes their life on wine and beer every day. If they don't take a beer, they cannot sleep because they are in the pleasures of life. They don't take a cigarette. They cannot rest. They're in the pleasures of life. If they don't go to club and dance a bit, they cannot have peace. They're not happy. Their peace and joy and everything that comes with pleasure is attuned to anything the world can give. And unfortunately, some believers are like that. Oh, it's okay if they're babes and still trying to grow in Christ, but if you're 20, 15 years, you know, 20 years in salvation, three, four, five years, you know, the things that you outlive because they cannot give you that joy anymore. Or if you still find joy there, then there's something still lost about you. But there's also another realm of pleasure. In the book of Psalms, the 16th chapter, the 11th verse, the psalmist says, Thou will show me the path of life. And he says, And in thy presence is the fullness of joy at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Let's read it in Amplified. He says, you will reveal or show me the path of life. And he says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. And he says, and at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. There are pleasures forevermore. So there's pleasure in the presence. Okay? Now, that is a bit alien for people who have not seen or walked with God in certain experiences. So you tell them, oh, let's pray. It's the most boring time of life because there is no pleasure in it. You tell them, let's fast. Oh, we're fasting again because there's no pleasure in it. You tell them, let's read the word. You want to read it so quickly, you read the two, three verses and we're done. Why? Because there's no pleasure in that. They are quick in that so they can switch on their next series. They are quick on that ending so they can switch on their next song. 
they are quick on that ending so they can engage into other conversation or go back on their phones and go on social media because it does not give them a certain pleasure now that godly pleasure is essential very essential and that is why i tell people that if you are addicted to the pleasures of the life of men you can never come out of those addictions until you are introduced to a higher realm of pleasure a higher form of pleasure because that's how the human being works it's how the chemicals of our minds work they're tuned to how much pleasure is given and the more we're given the more we want the more we're given the more we want we're bored by lesser pleasures not because they are no longer pleasurable but the spark of the wonder is gone and so we're seeking for higher spaces if a man drinks one beer and it makes him feel good and tomorrow he'll take two because you know the mind easily overrides that place of pleasure and requires higher pleasure and so he's taking one beer and then tomorrow he's taking another beer the other day he's taking three and the other day he's taking four and one day he wants to drink the whole night why because the mind cannot get enough of this and it gets bored if inferior pleasures are given because it grows even in its own pleasure you see so talk about any addiction in the world whether it's uh, drinking or sexual perversion or whatever you call it you cannot come out of that kind of pleasure until you are introduced to a higher realm of pleasure oh so why is this fellow born again and he has received Jesus Christ but he's still struggling with alcohol He's still struggling with this and that and that. Let me tell you why. It's because he has not yet tested. She has not yet tested the realm of the pleasures of God's presence as they should. I emphasize that as they should. They can appear to because it's very easy to create a form of godliness. The Bible says having the form of godliness but they deny the power thereof because there's a difference between acting the form of a sin and carrying the power of that thing. You see? Not everybody who cries in the presence of God really has a revelation of the God they're crying to. Some are actually crying out of conviction of sin. Another man is crying because they're overwhelmed by the power and the presence of God that is available for them. Not everybody who prays in the presence of God is praying the right way for the right thing and with the right heart. Not everybody who serves God serves God in the right way with the right spirit and the right heart. You see? And that's why the Bible says God deals, Jeremiah, with every man or he gives to every man according to his heart never forget that so why jesus emphasizes you judge by what you see but the father judges with the heart he looks into the heart of a man to judge it he gives to the heart he searches the heart the bible says and tries the reign of that man even to give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings and those are the meditations of the man's heart So if your heart is not right with God, no matter how much right you do outside. You know, people who have learned the art and form of doing so right outside that you might assume that their heart is right. Or there are people who are so quick in judging men who have done wrong outside. But if their hearts are right with God, David killed Uriah and took over his wife. That was so wrong. But the Bible still calls him a man after God's own heart because God does not judge the way you judge. He does not see people the way you see them. And in your own righteousness actually you can fall because God does not elevate us according to our own righteousness but his own righteousness. And when the Bible says David served God in his own generation and he was with the Lord. 
He served God in his own generation. He finished well. His heart was still attuned to God. You see? Some people say, oh, David is a man after God's own heart because he was repentant. Uh-uh. Job was so repentant that he could even repent of the sins his children, his supposes could do. But that didn't make him a man after God's own heart. That is the making of God itself. Okay, that's what separates the called and the chosen of God. Even when he was lamenting of the indifference of the Israelites, the Bible says, but he chose himself a man called David. He always looked to raising a certain individual. This was not something David invited. This was something God planted in David. You see that? It's not something you can do in your own strength. And thank God for Jesus. Because when he comes, we are told that he is to deal with us in those aspects that we are simply to receive what has already been done in God. In him are hidden all treasures. Everything is in Christ. For it pleased the Father that in him should dwell the fullness of God bodily. And that is what you receive. Of his fullness have we received. Hallelujah. Of his fullness have we received. Grace for grace. Faith for faith. Peace for peace. Joy for joy. Power leading into power. Joy leading into more joy. Glory leading into more glory. Grace leading into more grace. Grace for grace. Hallelujah, glory to God. Now, back to what I'm saying here. So, oh, I'm a believer, but I'm still struggling with this. Oh, let's pray against this. We break the spirit of sexual perversion. We break the spirit of alcoholism. We break the spirit of all this. You can break it all you want, okay? And it will flee. But it wants to come back in this house someday and find whether the word or the realm is changed or it can easily settle back. And if it sees that it can settle back, the Bible says it goes back in the dry places and seeks for, you know, seven more devils, right? And they come back into this person and they live there. And the Bible says, and the state of that man is worse than the last state he was in. That's why some people, as they continue praying against perversion or addictions, they worsen. The more you pray, the more stuff worsens. Why? Because that's not how you're to be delivered. You are to be delivered by being introduced to a higher place of pleasure. He says, be not drunk with wine where in is excess. Then he gives us the opposite. But be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. That means the pastor of the Holy Spirit can minister a place in your life bigger than any wine can ever give you. Hallelujah, glory to God. So until we introduce a person to that place where a higher realm of pleasure, which can only be found in the presence of God, that addiction will never leave that man. That man will never walk free. Oh, he will be in and out, in and out. And that is why I tell people, learn to be a seeker of the presence of God. Stop praying because you have to pray every day. Stop fasting because it's the season of fasting. No. Learn to be a consistent seeker of the praise of God. It doesn't matter whether you don't appear to men that you are. The results of a seeker always come out. Bible says a God who you seek in secret will openly or publicly reward you. Is this trying to tell you if you learn to seek me, if you learn to seek my presence, you don't need to worry about the results. I will publicly display the glory on your life. So if you find the man saying, oh, reveal your glory on my life, 
to people, that man has a problem. He's praying the wrong way. Or rather, seek the presence of God. Just be connected in the deep places of the Spirit. You will not even seek the attention of the public. No. Something will shine so bright on you that you'll catch attentions that you don't even seek. That is how the presence does it. So I tell people, never seek an honor that you have not received from the presence. Never seek a glory that you have not received from the presence. Never seek a praise that you have not received from the presence. Because that can only kill. That can only destroy. Bible says there's a way that seemeth rightful to man. But the end of that way is destruction. You can walk right in courts, yet you're actually going to the ways of death. He has told you that it's in this presence that he was shown the path of life and not the ways of death. It's in this presence that he sees the path of life, the paths of life, then the praise of God. So he sees the pleasures at the right hand of a father. Now in Psalm 36, the eighth verse, he speaks of they which seek God, they which sit in the presence of God. He says, they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of his house. The word there for fatness is the anointing. God can satisfy and satiate a man with a very deep place of the anointing from his house. And he says, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. Of the river of thy pleasures. See, he's not just talking about doses. He's not just talking about cups of pleasure. He's talking about a river of God's pleasures. When a man gets into that place, when a man connects to the pleasures of God, of the Spirit, of truth. You see, if a man can get sick because he's addicted to alcohol, get heart disease, and they tell him it's not right to drink, and he goes back to the bar, and then get, you know, his liver damaged, and then he goes back to a doctor and they tell him, you don't need this thing, it's going to kill you. And every part of him is dying. And he gets an accident, he's almost dying, but he still goes back drinking. I know of a fellow who one time drank himself silly and he started eating grass like an animal. And he said to himself, I will never drink another day. One, two, three, four, five years is back into the thing. Worse than it was. If a man can go back even get to a place of risking his own life, he's trying to tell you that the power of pleasure is stronger than the power of pain stronger than the power of pain. There is no pain that can ever substitute the power of pleasure in humanity. Even when they know that it's going to kill them, they'll still seek that pleasure. That's just the way of men. The Bible says he has made all men alike. <laughs> he has made all men alike. All of us, in our carnal sense, are alike. The only change that comes to us is when we become born again. So don't judge men, especially in the world. There is nothing any man in the world is doing that you cannot do all has done that you could not do. For he has fashioned all men alike, the Bible says. All of us are alike. Have the same heart, same thoughts. Jesus says that he committed himself to no man because he knew what was in men. You see? The only commitment to men now comes in the understanding of the things of the Spirit. We submit to authorities because we know them in the Spirit. He says we regard no man in the flesh. Even the Christ we should count in the flesh is far gone. So we don't judge men after the flesh. We judge men after the spirit. You see that? So, back to what I'm trying to emphasize. The first experience for me as an individual, when I was awakened to the pleasures of God's presence, 
I remember one day we're in university and uh, we used to pray every lunch hour. We used to pray every evening. And so we used to have this place where we used to go to pray on Fridays and we used to pray the whole night until morning. And so my previous church, unfortunately, before I was really converted fully and you know, awakened deeply into the things of the Spirit, was not really a so much praying church. And so I find a group of fellows who are so crazy. These guys could pray. They were praying machines, right? And notwithstanding, it's not the time you spend in prayer that defines your quality of prayer. I need to emphasize that. It's the revelation of God in prayer that defines the quality of your prayer. And that is why we have people who are praying in realms where they're supposed to command. You see, they're praying in realms where they're supposed to command. They're praying in realms where they're supposed to demonstrate action. Just look at the Christ when he's going about doing good. He didn't say, and praying for those which were sick. No, he says, and healing all which were sick and oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. See, for example, the realm of healing. The realm of healing is not a praying realm when you grow deeper in God. I'm not saying that we don't pray for the sick, okay? There's a difference between praying over the sick concerning the elders. The Bible says in James, if there's any which is sick among you, let him go to the elders. The prayer of faith, the Bible says, shall heal the sick. Okay, yeah. But you see, when we're talking about that kind of prayer, we're not talking about, Father, help. Help this individual. Deliver them from cancer. No, that's not how God has called us to pray in the new dispensation. See? And if you read that scripture, you'll see, he says, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the 15th verse says, and the prayer of faith shall save them. So are they healed because of oil? <laughs> no, oil is just an element. It's just an element representing the anointing. But it's not even what heals. It says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So let's just say you have oil, but you don't have faith. You pour oil and then the person dies. You see? Oh, you have people, if they don't have anointing oil, they don't pray. That's a realm also. <laughs> uh -huh. Pray for my oil, apostle. Yeah, and it's okay if you're in the realm of oil, okay? But we have open blind eyes without, you know, anointing oil. <laughs> but the anointing of the Spirit is in us because it's the prayer of faith, all right? It's a prayer of faith. When we look at the Christ and how he functions in that faith, little girl, rise up. Talitha Kumai, the girl comes up. Lazarus, come forth. And the guy comes out of a tomb. So he went about healing we're talking about praying. We're not saying, oh, Father, we thank you. Then you compose yourself. In the name of the Father, Father, firstly, this person killed someone last week. No. <laughs> it's be healed and they're healed. It's be delivered and they're delivered. Devil lose and it loses. You see, when you understand how God has provided for the new creation in Christ, you will invest more time in prayer just loving on God. You know, there are people who spend the whole night praying for their husband. They are praying for their wives. They are praying for their children. They are praying for their job. They are praying for their business because you don't know how to pray. Prayer is not a place where you address needs for four hours. No, he tells you, do not repeat prayers over and over like the heathen for they think that in repeating themselves they will be high. Your heavenly father knew you needed that job even before you asked. But he's saying your problem is not the job. I need you. I need you. 
No man who seeks God the right way is disappointed. He says they shall not be put to shame. We cannot be ashamed. We cannot be ashamed. But back to what I'm trying to emphasize here. So the scriptures tell us that we drink from the river of his pleasures. And the ninth verse, he says, for with thee is the fountain of life and in thy light we see light. In thy light we see light. Now, I was narrating my story. So I remember one of those days I joined these fellows to pray with them. I started praying with them. And I remember one Friday evening, we were in a car going to that place of prayer, which was perhaps 18 or 19 kilometers away from my university. And I remember that day I'm seated in a car and I wanted to run. I wanted to go so fast because I could not wait to get into the presence. I had gotten something and at first I had not you know, understood it because my former life of prayer service is one hour, we come to the presence of God, we do praise, worship, they teach for 45 minutes and then the service closes and we go back home. I knew how to pray that way. And now look, for once, I feel like I want the car to get to my place of prayer, to the church where I was going so quick. And I remember that day, the bus parked just where the church was and the church was about uh, maybe 200 meters away from where the bus had parked. And I remember running out of that bus and I ran. And I ran just to get into the church. And as I'm coming closer to the door of this building, there's something in me that is so riveting. It's so defining. It's so hungry and thirsty. And I remember I just entered the church and I went in one corner and just laid down prostrate. I said, God, I missed you. Not that he was in that building, no. But there's something that place had defined for me concerning the praise of God. And I remember laying there that whole night. You know, those are the moments where you pray and you don't even know how long you have prayed. No, we still have people say, you know, let me just pray for 30 minutes. Oh my God. No, no. That's the time where you're so stirred in the spirit that it does not matter how long you pray. It doesn't matter who is praying with you. It doesn't matter who has attended and who is not attending. It doesn't matter who is watching you and who is not watching you. Your heart is pumping and it is panting for God. He says, one thing that I long for, one thing that I yearn for is that I may dwell in the presence of God all the days of my life, beholding his beauty and inquiring in his court. He's hungry. He says, I was glad when they said unto me, come to the house of the Lord. Those are the pleasures of the spirit that are stirred in a believer. And before you know that, you enjoy a presence with God far more pleasurable than any human company. That was the time I just started disconnecting from company. I just found that I never found the happiness that any person would have sitting around people. Not that I don't love my friends, not that I don't love my family, but that it could not give me the satisfaction that I found in that place. And I remember I used to go back home, for example, like in the days of the holidays, and I just reach home, hi everyone, I sit with them for one hour or probably 30 minutes, and I just want to go away. Just want to sit in my room, and I would stay awake from two to three, or fall asleep a bit, wake up again at four, and feel like I just want to be alone. And I remember times where my mother would come and say, hey Grace, dinner is ready, and I don't have the time to eat food. Not that I don't love or want food, no, I love it, but there's something that has substituted that love. And many times I ate cold food because it was not important anymore that I ate food. It was important that I just had a moment with this God. And in that realm, again, I'm going to come to that a bit later, I started to see in the light in which we see light. Moses saw this thing 
That's why in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the 24th verse, the Bible says, by faith, by faith, when Moses was come to years, that means he had matured, okay? He says, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, choosing, listen, to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The Bible says, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward, and by that faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as he was seeing him who was invisible. Oh, you need to understand this. This man was raised in royalty. He was the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. Every beautiful thing for Egypt was available for him. If it's women, they were available. If it is wealth, they were available. If it's the finest clothes, they were available. If it was power and influence and affluence, they were available. If it was glory, it was available. If it was slaves, they were available. If it was anything that he ever dreamed of, it was available. And then he wakes up one day and everything that gave him pleasure in the world starts to lose taste. And he is ready and willing to switch his place from that place of glory and splendor, the glamour and flair that was with Egypt in that day. And he's ready to suffer affliction with the children of Israel, his own kinsmen. Because the Bible says he had a vision of Christ. Even before Christ came. <laughs> Even before the Christ came in the flesh, he beheld the very form of Christ. Remember, he was the rock from which they drank. He was the cloud by day and the fire by night. But they designed him not. And now see Moses seeing the spirit of Christ. And when he has that vision of God, it gives him a deeper pleasure than any pleasure would ever give him for a season in Egypt. Because the pleasures of the world are actually for a season. They're actually for a season. And after it's done, next day, you're, you're feeling worse than you were yesterday. After that drink, it's the hangover, it's the headaches the whole day. Until the next time you arouse yourself again into that pleasure and then it's done with its own doing because it's seasonal. It was not meant to be permanent. It was not made to be eternal. You see that? So we see Moses understanding that difference. We see him have a vision of Christ. No wonder we see the Isaiah speaking of how he's wounded for the transgressions, bruised for the iniquities, the chastisement of our peace. Isaiah speaks as if it had already happened. These men had beheld Jesus. And I tell you, no true pleasure can be defined in the spirit when a man has not a full vision of the Christ. It's not possible. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? What is the revelation of that Christ? You see? So Moses has a contact of that Christ and because he sees what is in Christ, the Bible says he had respect unto the recompense of the reward because he saw Christ's greater riches than the treasures that were in Egypt. He saw it. 
He saw that nothing could ever match this man. Nothing could ever compare to this God. Nothing at all. Paul says, and of all those things that were dear to me, I have counted loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them, but dang, that I may win him. That's a man who has known the difference between what the world can ever give you and what Christ can ever give you. But he's in the same plane and realm of a man who still has a Bible and they can't read it because there's no pleasure in that Bible. How can you not have pleasure in the world? You're living in the same world with a person. They don't understand how you can worship God the whole day. What do you be doing at church? They used to say. And some of them are born again too. Some of them are Christian. They say, ah, but you know what? You're praying so much. Don't you have something else to do? Why are you always at church? No, 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 no. Listen. We all have different degrees and places of conviction. And sometimes when we see him as he is, as he is, not as we assume, not as how certain people have defined him to us, not as what we read in the books or see in the movies, but when Christ becomes a vision, when you see him as he is, nobody invites you anymore. You feel a power pushing you into that place and you find that nothing satisfies like that place. And that's why the Song of Solomon, the Bible says in the first chapter, the fourth verse, he says, draw me. He says, we will run after thee. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. He says, we will remember thy love more than wine. He says, the upright love thee. So wine has a pleasure. He says, I could drink this thing and get so high the whole night and wake up the next day. He says, if wine is that one thing that makes the man's heart happy or merry, he tells Elemuel, give wine to him that is bitter. You see? And who is on the way to death? But he tells Lemuel, it's not for kings to drink wine. Why? Because a king has to be invited into another place of pleasure. Not that which is seasonal and is done with its own doing. You see what I'm saying? So this man says, you know what? If you have ever enjoyed wine, those of you who have really drunk yourself out, you know what I'm talking about. He says, we shall remember your love more than wine. And if a man meets that love, you don't need to tell them, stop drinking wine. No, they'll just look at that bottle and it won't call them anymore. They'll look at everything that gave them joy in the world and cannot be substituted for this which they've received in Christ Jesus. And that's the higher realm, that our pleasures are not only to end with the joy, with the happiness, with the satisfaction they give our souls, but God wants to launch us deeper into another level, which is the understanding of the responsibility of God's love, which his pleasures invited us into. So the end of the walk of that believer is not the pleasures of the spirit, but some have ended there. And it's okay to end there because if you end there, it's just okay. It's not your best. It's not the perfect will of God concerning your life. But it's okay to end in the pleasures of the Spirit because it means you'll never substitute anything in the pleasures of life as of those of men for the things of God. And it's okay for a man to live that life because you are guaranteed that you will live a good life. You will live a satisfied life. You'll live a joyful life. That joy that is unspeakable, full of glory. You'll live that life. But God says there's another realm higher than that. And he's saying, my love was not only to invite you into the pleasures. No, my pleasures were only available because without them, you'd not understand love perfectly. 
But those were not the end of this walk. No, that was just another realm of that journey. Like you awaken to your identity, like you awaken to your needs of rest and food. I don't want you to just stay in those pleasures. I want to take you a bit higher and deeper into my love. To understand that love that passes all knowledge. And it says that you might be filled with the fullness of God. In Colossians, the second chapter from the first verse, He's speaking about people in Laodicea. And he says, I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts, listen, might be comforted, being knit together in love. You see? Being knit together in love, but it didn't end there, comma. And then to all the riches of the full assurance, he says, of understanding, of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is what he means. If you read it from the Amplified Version, it's from the verse 2, his concern is that when their hearts are breast or comforted or cheered or encouraged with pleasure and they're all knit together in love, they should not just end there, but that they might also come to have all the abounding wealth and blessings, abounding wealth and blessings of their short conviction of understanding. So is the critical faculty, the primary form of Sophia, wisdom. Don't just end in the pleasures the presence of God gives you, but are you invited to the understanding of God, to the understanding of the Spirit? In fact, the Amplified calls it the conviction of understanding and that they may become progressively, he said, more intimately acquainted, not just intimate, but acquainted. You are intimate, but also acquainted. You are intimate, but you know him. You see, they're intimately acquainted with and may know more definitely and accurately and thoroughly understand those things. More definitely, more accurately and thoroughly that mystic secret of God, which is Christ, the anointed one, in whom he says, all treasures of divine wisdom, comprehensive insight into the ways of the purposes of God and all riches of spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden in there. So it's more than just the joy he gives me. It's more than just the peace he gives me. It's more than just the satisfaction he gives me. It's more than just the happiness I have within him. But now I'm getting to the place of understanding in whom all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are. And so I need to take the responsibility of the pleasures that he has given me because these pleasures are inviting me to know him deeper, to relate with him deeper, to be enlightened in the things that are hidden within him, the comprehensive insight of his ways and purposes. So you don't just end in, oh, God's good to be in the presence of God. So what's the end of that? I know people who really met that pleasure. I went to school with people who really met that pleasure. Over the years, I've seen people who contacted and contracted that pleasure and praise God, goodness me, their character was aligned, their moral life was up straight, but that's where they ended. That's where they ended. So yes, they're good human beings. They don't drink, you know, they're not straight. They're good, but they ended there. They're just good believers. They're going to heaven, but they're good people. But the Lord showed me that no, even beyond that, I want you to know me. I want you to understand the love that passes mere knowledge, the Amplified says, without experience. I want to give you an experience in the spirit 
that comes with getting acquainted with me, that comes with knowing me. Let me take you away for that one hour. And you're not just in the presence enjoying and just flat out dead, but that I might give some understanding in you, that I might help you reconcile Malachi and Ezekiel, that I might help you reconcile Genesis to Revelation, that I might help you understand why Luke said what you said. And in his light, he says, we see light. Then the spirit of revelation comes upon you. You understand that revelation is a spirit. It's not just a form of men with the most accurate intellect. No, that consummation is deeper. That separation is deeper. These are things that go beyond how you could add your mass. These are things that hit your spirit and they're bigger than the science and biology you could ever study. These are things Bible school can never teach you. No, because these are invitations. The angel of the Lord, the Bible says, carried me. You see, we start to see men in the spirit who are enjoying the presence of God. And he tells the man, come up thither. He invites the man for him to see. He tells him, let your eyes be lifted and see for the fields are white. The readiness of the harvest is available. Why? Because God has elevated that man's place of vision. And now you know him. He says, with you is the fountain of life. Now you find life. More than just joy, you find life. More than just happiness, you find life. More than just peace, you find life. You find life. You find life. And that life is in knowing him. This is eternal life that we might know the one true God and his only son, Jesus. It now takes you back into the places of knowledge. So how can I be with him and not know him? How can I be with him and not know his voice? How can I be with him and not know his ways? How can I be with him and not know his purposes? How can I be with him and not know his power? How can I be with him and not know his glory? How can I be with him and not know his heart's desire? And so the heart of God starts to pump in you that they might seek after. The book of Acts says that they might seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far. So he's available to all of us. He's available to you and I. But the problem is you cannot feel him. You cannot feel his heart. You can't feel the connotations of his heart. You cannot feel the convictions of his heart. You're not hurt by the things that hurt him. You're not broken by the things that break him because you just stayed in the realm of pleasure. Because pleasure in itself, again I say, is important. But it's not the end of this life. And this is what the Lord showed me. When you start walking that life of pleasure and then you get into the life of knowing Him, the wisdom of God, the glory of God, the power of God, you are awakened to responsibility. That's when you start speaking about the higher calling in Christ. The higher calling in Christ. Because the secret of the Lord is with you. And when the secret of the Lord is with you, because of that responsibility, he is lifted from the earth. He says, if I be lifted from the earth, you see, if I be lifted from the earth, if my person is defined beyond my human form, because man is formed from the earth. He says, if the son of man be lifted up from the earth, if I be separated from the man that you saw in the flesh to understand me from the spirit, he says, I will draw men to myself. That is what ushers you into the glory that gives you power over men. Because you don't have that power over them for wickedness. You don't have that power over them for manipulation. You don't have that power over them for deception. 
for your craftiness to have your own way because already by the time you get into that place I says I need time to explain this because I want to explain how in the places of our consecration our intellect our understanding eh? our heart is consecrated our understanding our intellect is consecrated the ways of God are so revealed to us and they separate us from the way normal men think we are dead and once your mind is aligned to God the first thing you die to is self that's a consecrated mind it dies from self and so you have power over you understand because every person that comes in your life is for responsibility whether you're going to stand in this pulpit and preach whether you're a business person whether you're a lawyer whether you're a doctor it doesn't matter where you are you are called to occupy you are called to occupy nations will respond to you elements will respond to you principalities will respond to you the powers of this world will respond to you the way of the spirit will be kind to you the beauties of god's presence will make way for you even in the wilderness your way shall be ways of peace your way shall be ways of strength your way shall be ways of joy and you will understand that the labors of men under the curse are not your portion for the people who labors men which are under the curse they eat from the sweat of their brow not from the revelation of the experiences that they have in god that show the abundance of provision which we have in Christ you will work with purpose even at your job if you are a doctor in a hospital you will work with purpose not for pay not for a salary you'll not leave one job because they're paying you better you leave one job because of the purpose and responsibility that you have in that place your heart will start to beat souls souls men men who wills that all men be saved comma and that they might come to the knowledge of the truth the knowledge of the truth this is what paul is saying in colossians that yes in laodicea like some of us in this day are he had a conflict with them and his prayer is that as that love grows they might carry the full assurance of the understanding the synesis the critical wisdom in a man that is supposed to propel your decisions your actions and that you might epignosis the mystery of god the mystery of god and of the father jesus christ when you get there you'll see yourself walking in higher realms of glory you'll see that the miraculous in your life is not something you pray for the whole night it is something that even happens without your conscience awakened to it and not that it's not important for you to know but that god has elevated your understanding into a higher law of the responsibility that comes with that glory if you know these things you shall be a mighty one on the earth in the name of the lord jesus i want to pray with you open your mouth and pray speak in other tongues raise your voice if you don't have any tongues just speak in the language you understand karebo zaraba solobo and i will rise to you to your word 
Jesus, we need you, God. never given your life to Christ I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior this is love that God is inviting you into and there is no decision you could ever make in this world like you are going to make now there is a reason why you are tuning in and are listening this summer repeat these words after me and say Lord Jesus I thank you because you shed your blood for me and you were raised for my glory and so tonight I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior and born again. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Finero, make manifest.